Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, the easiest. It's the best way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag, join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much, Bet Online, for bringing this podcast to the people. Welcome. You've arrived. How lovely. <laughs> it's the Mikey Likes You podcast. I am Mikey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is the greatest health and fitness podcast in the world. The title, Mikey Likes You. I am Mikey who likes you. Are you who is liked? That's what I'm talking about. Before we get started, I want to say thank you so much to all my sponsors. Bet Online, Magic Spoon, Blue Chew. You'll hear all about them later on in the show. And I highly encourage you not to do what most people do, what I do a lot of the time. Skip right through because all of my sponsors mean something to me. And there's only one reason why I'm capable of having sponsors that actually put out products and services that I use and not just taking on all comers. And that's because of my patrons. So thank you so much. Thank you so much to all of you. Um, no matter what tier you're on, but I want to say an extra special thanks to the top tier clients. If you're interested in getting some more information, there's three tiers available for you. I will put a link in the show notes. And uh, training programs, nutritional information, blogs and posts about things that I'm thinking about, random stuff, um, creativity, habits on top of things like sets, reps, you know, calories, macros, all that fun stuff. Uh, I like to get geeky about a lot of things. And on top of that, I like to be able to kind of elaborate on some of the things that I talk about in the podcast, which is kind of based in broadcasting, which means I got to do broad strokes, keep interest. But if you hear something and it piques your interest and you're wanting more information, you can head on over to the Patreon. Also, for those of you who are just listening to the show and not watching it, I do have a YouTube channel. It's under Mike Catherwood, not Mikey Likes You, for one reason, one reason alone, because I add the podcast. You can check out this face as you're listening to the show. Uh, but on top of that, I put up a lot of like tutorials on exercise performance, um, program, construction, uh, mobility, postural work. There's a lot of stuff up there. Um, so check that out. You can check it out on YouTube under my name, Michael Catherwood. And circling back to the Patreon, if you're interested in getting like really detailed assistance, I'm available at the top tier um, for helping you. That means constant interaction between the two of us, which is great for accountability. <laughs> I had a stroke. Accountability um, on both ends. And then we also get to work with one of the biggest aspects, I think, that gives you a real, you know, kind of a real advantage and it puts you in a better place when it comes to attaining your goals in like a physical and physique sense. And that is the ability to adapt and the, the ability to work because nobody, there's one thing that I hammer home a lot and that everybody's nutrition is going to be different. Everybody's training program is going to be different for it to be optimal because we are really lucky that we are homo sapiens and we have this incredibly versatile, incredibly adaptive machine. Some of us are older. Some of us are younger. Some of us are female. Some of us are male. Some of us have extensive training histories. Some of us have none. There's a lot of factors that go into it. And it really makes it great when... I am being coached by someone or I'm coaching someone and you get that ability to kind of go with the flow as opposed to this copy and paste idea of training programs and eating programs and nutritional stuff. 
it's valuable, gives you the ability to learn, but I can tell you with my own personal journey, I've made the best, the best progress when I've worked with someone day in and day out. I've worked with Artemis Dolgan, I've worked with Stan Efferding, I've worked with Martin Burkhan, Steve Maxwell, and I like to, uh, Josiah Novak, a friend of mine, you know, and having that ability, even, look, I, I will be very honest, I have an extensive knowledge base when it comes to training and nutrition, but it doesn't mean that I can't learn and grow. And I always seem to step my game up when I have that person that I'm emailing with daily, weekly, giving check-ins, measuring myself, weighing myself, seeing how my metabolism reacts to certain things, seeing how my body reacts to certain stimuli. And then we, we go and I tell them and I report and we discuss and we kind of make tweaks and we manipulate things and we augment things to best suit me. And that is what I can offer to you at the top tier. So if you're interested, check it out. Again, I will put the Patreon in the show notes. All right. I want to circle back after last week's episode. And by the way, I got an incredible an incredibly positive response, really heartwarming because uh, I didn't intend to go into it with such a open heart. But I just started talking about things that were really bugging me, really wearing on me, and I sure enough, I broke down. I showed a lot of emotion during the show, and I was, I was admittedly greatly embarrassed by last episode. If you notice, I didn't put up any actual clips on social media um, because I didn't want to. It was hard enough to go through it and edit it. I didn't want to go back and then start editing up clips to put up. And uh, because it was, it was embarrassing. But, man, the response was so heartwarming. Some of the things that people said to me, some of the concern that, uh, by all practical definitions, strangers were showing me um, was, was uh, overwhelming. I might... I might, uh, I might tear up talking about it now because that's how, that's how nice and how loving and how caring people were to me in the response to, to that. So I just want to say thank you. But it was heavy. So I want to get away from that and go back to something we've been talking about in prior episodes before last week's embarrassing episode, as I, as I deemed it. Um, and that is uh, strength training, strength development, right? Lifting heavy weights. I'm trying to get people to understand the importance of working in lower rep ranges with heavier weights, and the importance of getting away from your fear or your really misguided kind of aversion to heavier weights. And that goes for you men who are looking to lose weight and for you women out there who think that it's going to turn you into a bulky monster. Um, It's not. I will say this again, and I'm not beating a dead horse because this horse is very much alive because I still get this idea pitched to me all the time. And that is, look, the size of your body, whether it be pure blubber or giant veiny muscle, the size of your body is completely dictated by your food. The composition of your body is dictated by your training and then your also uh, you know, manipulation of macros and things like that. But in reality, how big or how small you are, regardless if it's muscle or fat, how big and how small you are is completely dictated by how much food you eat. And you are not going to become a giant, oversized, bulky bodybuilder slash powerlifter if you're not in a dramatic caloric surplus. Regardless of how heavy you lift, regardless of how you train, you are not going to get bulkier. Um, now, look, there are nuances that can be that have to be addressed that, if I'm going to be completely honest, are, are true. Overall strength really is mostly dictated by musculature surrounding the spine and to strengthen those muscles to a great extent, which is something that we should all do for our livelihood, for the quality of our life, it can make a a more dense trunk, which is, I think, the opposite of what most people would consider aesthetic beauty. That being said... There's a limit to it where avoiding it altogether, not developing at least a baseline foundation of strength on those, in those muscles surrounding um, the spine is going to leave you without the ability to completely develop your aesthetic beauty, okay? And there's also ways to go about um, 
kind of sidestepping the really wide trunk or, or, or the, the core area, as most people would see it, these erectors and the, you know, a, a professional powerlifter or a competitive powerlifter doesn't give two fucks about how wide their trunks get, and that's why you see that thing. But someone who lifts incredibly heavy um, but is also tending to their midsection um, will see uh, an incredible amount of progress in all the muscles that you want to develop while still maintaining that tight waist. There's things that you do to kind of keep that waist tight. That's another reason why I think, on top of obviously just function of it, there is an aesthetic reason why I want to encourage people to wear weightlifting belts. Um, it does prevent uh, an amount, a certain amount of that expansion of the middle of your torso. Um, all right, so I want to get back to talking about lifting heavy weights. I do think it is what you should be doing. If you're not doing it, you should start. But there are some things, some caveats and some disclaimers and some things that are just details that I needed to discuss that I didn't necessarily get the chance to discuss in prior episodes. If you haven't listened to those prior episodes, please do. Um, First and foremost, I say, go, go big, big weights, right? But that is relative. That is, of course, relative. The actual number, the amount of plates that you add to the barbell, the size of that dumbbell that you are using isn't necessarily what's important. What's important is the amount of resistance that it is applying to you and your personal abilities at that moment. Okay? Rate of perceived exertion and the amount of rest in, or reps in reserve that you have within a given rep range is what you're looking to do. The amount of weight that will do that is going to be wildly different from every single person that is listening to this or watching this and the one guy who right now is doing the show. What do I mean by that? Well, what I would train with, my training weight for the, the squat, let's say, when I was 26 years old, and off and on of different anabolic agents, and 26, um, is pretty darn different than what I'm lifting at 44 years old, not on anabolic agents, okay? Um, That being said, the resistance, the force applied in order to lift that weight within the given rep range is exactly the same. I achieve what I was achieving in the squat with 315 pounds now, the same thing that I was achieving with 460 pounds when I was 26 years old. Um, You who has maybe never really consistently applied yourself to proper strength training, it may be the bar. It may be the bar with two 10-plates, two 10-pound plates on each side. That's fine. That is fine. If you're doing six reps with 65 reps, excuse me, if you're doing six reps with 65 pounds on the squat right now, and that is getting you to just flirting with failure, and you're maintaining perfect form, and you really have to dig deep to do that, that is exactly the same as me going later today and hitting six reps with 315. It's truly how much that weight applies force and resistance to your abilities and your body right now. And all that matters is that you are getting to that point where you are pushing big weight relative to you with good form and doing more and more weight as you go. Okay, so I, I don't want to, in, in my goal of, achieve, uh, of encouraging you to go big, to go in there and go straight Ronnie Coleman, nothing but a peanut, yeah, butter, screaming, beads of sweat, and you're rah, ripping, ripping the bar off the ground when you're deadlifting, and you're digging deep when you're squatting. I want that. But don't think that there is some kind of 
mandate to get a certain amount of weight. That is going to, it, it, the, the weight is simply an abstract and it is completely different from person to person. And believe you me, even though I'm encouraging you to go for heavy weights, the person who squats and deadlifts and overhead presses and bench presses with purity and focus and intensity is going to succeed in what they want to do, regardless if it looks like baby weight to the jerk next to you who's using terrible form and leverage to get up what is perceived to be big weight. Tom Plotz has the greatest lower body in the history of physique training. Even by today's bodybuilding standards, what Tom Plotz had below his belly button, uh, I'm assuming cock included, is just remarkable. And there's one reason and one reason alone, because the guy literally called the squat rack his church. You say, I would worship at the altar of the squat. And he loved to squat, and he would squat heavy, and he would squat for crazy amounts of reps, and he would squat with an intensity that was almost unrivaled. But even he will say, there's a purity to your squatting that has nothing to do with the weight. Now, Tom Plotz was doing 500 pounds for reps, but every single rep was with incredible purity. There's a value to that that goes above and beyond the weight. So I don't want you to get tricked into believing that there's some, uh, there's some actual number that you have to be looking to get. What you should be looking to get is that number relative to your abilities that pushes you in that three to six rep range, okay? There's no need, unless you're competing in powerlifting, there's no need to get below three reps. Maybe for, for training sake, somewhere down the road. But right now, look, there's, there's a reason that rep ranges are prescribed. Rep ranges really high, 15 to you know above, are gonna be mostly for endurance training. And there's a lot of value to muscular endurance. Things that are below three reps are, are purely for absolute strength. And there's value to that. That 8 to 15 rep range is going to be almost purely for hypertrophy or bodybuilding purposes, muscle growth. But somewhere in between those, between the hypertrophy and the absolute strength, is that, you know, that, that perfect rep range that I like to work in with almost everybody. And that is from 6 to 8 reps, Okay. I like to keep the deadlift a little lower because I just don't think there's a real upside to high rep deadlifting. Five reps is about the max that I like to see people going in the deadlift. But with almost all of their exercises, improving your strength and your ability in that six to eight rep range is going to be almost ideal to kind of check off all the boxes and see yourself developing strength, okay? Um, the real key here is to make sure that you're doing it in a way that doesn't compromise your ability to do the exercise in total. Um, the deadlift is a great example because you can actually start to lift incredible amounts of weight pretty quickly. So what happens is that your ego gets in the way and then you're just, you know, really a beginner. You may be flirting with the idea of being an intermediate athlete, but you're still pretty much a beginner, and then you start just throwing on more and more weights because you want to stroke your own ego or you want to put it up on the gram, and I get that. But people are doing insane things just to get the bar above their knee, and it's not even really a deadlift anymore. People are doing insane things with the squat for the same reason, and it's a distortion of the exercise itself. You start to see them with that range of motion that's like three inches. You know, I, I see this guy at the gym all the time. And he, I, I like to call him a uh, Range Rover guy because he's that guy. If you're out there, you drive a Range Rover. It's an it's a excellent automobile. The engineering's very beautiful. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a British uh, automotive fan. I have a BSA motorcycle. I had a Triumph. I, I like, you know, my dad was fetishistic about Jaguars, old Jaguars. I, I like British, but you, you know, just like there's Hummer guy, there's Range Rover guy, right? 
And this guy, he's, he's pretty handsome, but he's still, he's not like jacked or anything. He's, but he, he thinks he is. And he's got like the sleeve tattoos, which I personally believe he got all at once. You know, he's that guy. And he goes in there and he puts on big weights and he always makes sure everyone's looking. And then he squats literally like an inch, like two inches to an inch above parallel. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm always like, yeah. That may be impressive to the 16-year-old boy who came in who thinks like you're doing something. But um, when I take the weight that you're using, and by the way, I'm like, 15, 20 pounds lighter than this guy. When I take the weight that you're using and then bench press it with a pause on my chest, we'll, 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 that's impressive. I, I am not the strongest guy in the world, but I will put my money where my mouth is when it comes to the quality of my reps with every exercise. I have had Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. This is 100% true. I was squatting and he was walking behind me with his like training partner. At, you know, I trained at Gold's in Venice for decades. And Arnold was there quite frequently. And Arnold's walking behind me. And you better fucking believe, because there's mirrors everywhere, I am very aware that Arnold Schwarzenegger is walking behind me as I'm squatting. Um, and I didn't have, like, world-beating weight. I probably had, you know, 225, you know, two plates on each side, right? But I'm squatting, and I'm, and I'm going in my reps, and I get down to the bottom, and uh, Arnold walks by, and he's looking at me, and I see him, elbows friend, and he looks at me, and then I rack it, and he goes, he's like, those great squats. It's great, beautiful squats. And I'm like, thanks, Arnold. And you better believe, yeah, was I squatting five plates? No. But the fact that I, I, my ass hits my calves and it's not, I'm not distorting the movement in any way to do it. Um, there's a, like I said, there's a purity to movements. And I encourage you to constantly be pushing the amount of weight that you can use while maintaining or even increasing the clarity and the purity of those movements. I don't want you to start adding weight to your squat until you can break parallel. Biomechanically, some people can really only get two parallel. That's fine. I don't expect everybody to be squatting ass to grass. But my point being, you're not really squatting. So don't start adding weight until you can do it right. Improve the quality of that. My whole point in telling people, make sure you get into big weights, is not to say, like, you have to have a certain amount on the bar or else you're doing it wrong. What I'm saying is, is give up on this idea that I can just take a three-pound pink little weight from Target and do that a million times and everything's going to work out because it ain't. And that you can just do push-ups, more and more reps every day, and that you're going to have a big, beautiful chest because you ain't. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you about a spoon, a magic spoon. Growing up, cereal, it was one of the best parts of being a child, right? Getting a bowl of cereal, some ice cold milk, mmm, it made your whole day. Well, when we're all trying to eat better as adults, why not have the number one ace up your sleeve right in your pantry at all times, and that is magic spoon cereal. It tastes as good, if not better than all of your favorite childhood cereals. But you don't get any of the junk. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's just a bunch of regular old sugary cereal with a, some protein powder added in. Oh, no, 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 no. Zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Amazing flavors. I've tried every one, and they're all delicious. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle, fruity, cocoa. Oh, man. All of them are delicious. And they, like I said, they all taste as good as your favorite childhood cereals. So head on over to magicspoon.com slash Mikey. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your entire order. Magic Spoon's so confident in this product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey 
and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this here episode. Hey, fellas, look, confidence in the bedroom is really important, and I understand it can be embarrassing to try to deal with that if you identify a problem. Well, Blue Chew is here to save the day. Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. All right? You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is super simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of waiting in line at the pharmacy, going to the doctor's office, zero awkward conversations. It all comes right to your door and you get to avoid all the stuff that I know you don't want to deal with. Listen, the bedroom, when it goes down, you want to be able to perform. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? So get yourself some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. Gosh darn it, do we ever thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Remember to use that promo code Mikey at checkout. You need to look to higher levels of resistance. But don't ever look to higher levels of resistance or some arbitrary idea of resistance if it's going to compromise your ability to do the exercise properly. The amount of weight that you use should be the highest that you could possibly use for the given rep range while still maintaining perfect form. Now, if you want to get into strength competition, Competition lifting is a total different thing. And and Louis Simmons and all the greatest powerlifters in the world for the history of time will tell you, look, they'll break their fucking spine if they have to in order to get that number up. But that's the thing. That's a competition. In the same way that uh, the guys that are grappling at ADCC here in, in Central Texas, I can drive to four or five different academies. And there's plenty of guys and gals who are more than happy to literally break their leg off their body if it helps them win a competition. I am not going to do that for grappling because I am not competing. I am not trying to pay the bills with jujitsu and grappling. But if I was... I probably would have been more than happy to have some dude snap my arm instead of tapping because I thought maybe somehow I could wiggle my way out of this and, and, uh, and, and win a competition because that's what matters. You're competing. If you're, comp- if you're not actively competing in powerlifting, the only competition you should be in is with yourself last time you worked out. Okay. Jim Wendler, the uh, architect of 531 training, has very clearly stated he has I, he 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 makes it a point that when you begin any of his 531 training programs, that you have your one rep max and your training one rep max. He before you even get started into percentages has you drop down ten percent, twenty percent of your actual one rep max, and he said this is your training max and this is what you should base all your percentages of training off of for that reason because look we're looking for progress not to beat someone else you're only looking to beat yourself yesterday that's always the goal and that's what's going to keep you in the game until you're my age feeling good and continuing to progress because as I said at the very beginning of the podcast if I tried to compete with myself at 26 I would be in a bad way. I would have, I'd be in traction at the hospital and my ego would be terrible because I was juicing like crazy and I was 26 years old. And I didn't have really much else in my life. I was actually pretty angry outside of the gym. (laughs) Um, So take into consideration that when I say use big weight, that that is, it, it is a, it's an illusory idea that doesn't actually mean a certain amount. It means go to push yourself to higher levels of resistance as it is relative to your abilities and your biochemistry, okay? And your biomechanics. All right. Another thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to moving big weights is that there are limits to this. 
And I put together um, some video to help highlight this, and I also collected some video to help you get a better understanding of what I mean. Now, if you are, let's start with the bench press as a perfect example. I am encouraging you to add weight to the bar every time and stay in that rep range, and then to do that while you're maintaining perfect form and to see yourself progressively overload. But let's say you train without a spotter. I don't really want you to go beyond a certain level of weight, regardless of how strong you are, because you're holding it above your upper torso. Okay? So what do you do? You want to keep progressing, but you know, you've gotten to the point where getting out five reps with this weight is getting really difficult and you don't want you're scared to push it farther because you don't have a spotter. Or let's say um, you're a jiu-jitsu competitor like me. You, you like to, you're a, a, a jiu-jitsu player and you want to continue deadlifting to see those weights go up, to see your form get better as you go. But you're, you're rolling four or five times a week, three times a week, or, and you're 44 years old. Your lower back and your central nervous system can only take so much. There are times and places where I'm constantly hammering home the idea of push that weight, push that weight, push that weight, but there's limits to this. Outside variables come into play. What do you do then? I don't want to see you regress and just start pumping up the reps. Here's where you introduce alternative forms of progression. What are the alternative forms of progression? You have the main form of progression, which is the amount of weight. Okay, The amount of weight and the amount of reps you can do are the main kind of basic foundational form of progression. Can I do one more rep next time I go in? Can I do five more pounds? And you continue to progress with that. Progression in overload is always what you're looking for. But there are alternative forms of progression. And I've been introducing these um, with a lot of success in my own training and then also with my Patreon clients, my top-tier clients. And these are things like exaggerated negatives, pauses, and then also holds or lockouts, okay? I will start with the pause, which I think is the most overall beneficial and the easiest to start implementing. The pause is a, as the name tells you, a pause or a hold in the most stretched position of the muscles being trained or the bottom position typically uh, of an exercise. With the deadlift, the pause happens right after you pull it off the ground. And I've been incorporating pause deadlifts um, for years. The pause bench press is going to be at the very bottom when it's damn near touching your chest. Not exactly resting on your chest because that would kind of defeat the purpose. But right hovering above the chest line, you, when, when the chest muscle and the tricep muscle are in their stretch position, you pause and you hold. Two second, three second pause. And then extend the weight back up. Of course, the bottom of the squat would be the area to pause for a squat. Now, you will dramatically drop the amount of weight you're using because this makes it harder. This creates more tension and puts more stress on the muscles without actually adding weight. So let's say you can squat 225, right? Two plates for six reps. If you are trying to progress there and you alternate between going from 225 for six reps and then trying to add weight with a workout session where you use 165, 185 perhaps, and you do six reps with that with two second pauses at the bottom, you're now achieving something that you're hoping to achieve without adding more weight. In fact, you're dramatically reducing it. And you can either increase the amount of time that you use for your alternate form of progression, the pause itself or the negative. You can increase that time or you can increase the amount of weight that you're using in that pause. Okay, so um, 
Typically, the only thing that I like to use pauses on right now for me, not for clients, is, uh, is the deadlift. And I'll tell you why. Because on top of giving your central nervous system and a lot of times the connective tissue and your body in general a break from the heavier and heavier weights, what alternative forms of progression do is they also lock down your form. If you are one of those people that lets the bar get away from you when you're deadlifting, a pause right after you pull it off will expose that greatly. And it will clear up that problem. If you are a person who likes to let your butt wink or your, your lower, bo- lower back round right when you get to the bottom of a squat, holding that position in the bottom, even with sub-maximal weights, is going to expose that greatly. It is also great for squatting. You see a lot of people who let their knees cave. Let's say these are your feet. Your knees should be tracking right over the feet, right? But a lot of people, it's, it's a very common problem. Their knees will cave, okay? But if you're going with a six-second negative, one, two, three, four, five, six, even if you're using baby weight, you are constantly trying to keep your knees tracking over your toes and making room for your hips to lower because you're going so slow. You have to inch by inch resist that weight on the bar as you go down. You will hold your torso much more rigid And it just really does expose and then also correct a lot of problems in form, which is, you know, it's going to be paramount, making sure that you have those purity, the purity in those lifts. So look to incorporate these things if you feel like you're hitting a position where progression with the main form of progression being the weight or the reps is getting to a stagnant point or you're starting to compromise your own safety with doing so, and you're questioning, you're questioning your form. Incorporate pauses right from the start. Those are the, those are the best ways to kind of shore up those, those problems. Pauses, then after that, an exaggerated negative, the eccentric negative portion of a movement as you lower the bar in a bench press, as you uh, lower the bar back down in a deadlift, as you lower your butt in a squat, this is the negative. You are substantially stronger in the eccentric portion of a movement, any movement. I Above my pay grade, uh, ask Lane Norton or, or, or Lyle McDonald, some of the people who have real uh, thorough understanding of biomechanics and, and physics and things like that. I, I don't. I just know that that's true. And I'll go to the mat on that. You are infinitely stronger, not infinitely, you are substantially stronger in the negative portion of any exercise. The amount of weight that I can unrack and lower to my chest is pretty fucking hefty. The amount of that I could then push up and bench press is, is pretty good for earth. But I ain't winning any powerlifting contests or anything. You know? But I can unrack. I, I can unrack probably over 500 pounds and lower it to my chest if I had a lot of squatters. I mean, <clears throat> if I had a lot of spotters. Um, and strong ones to then curl it back up. Um, I can I can unrack and and lower a lot in a squat. You know, getting it back up. But you're much stronger. So if you were to take a a, a suboptimal weight again, getting away from that main progression of the weight, and then have five six second negatives. Sometimes even working up to ten second negatives in squats and de- and bench presses. I do not really like to use exaggerated negatives in deadlifts because it, it almost forces you, even if you have great form, into a weird position. Um, but the pause in the deadlift off the ground is excellent. I encourage everyone to start using it. And it really has helped me clear up my form. And my numbers have shot up because of it. Um, as you can see, I'll put up a little video here. This is me with the paused deadlift. And it happens no more than two inches off the initial lift, so right on the ground. Right as I pull it, I like to hold it there at lower shin level and 
two seconds, a good beat, and then keep it close to my body and, and pull it up. It's for those of you out there who are like me, who can really lock out well, but had problems getting it off the ground once it got up to a certain weight. This corrects that greatly. And it also really helped me with my hip shifting where my hips would come up first and then my torso would follow where it should be one uniform movement. As your legs push away from the, from the platform, your torso comes up too, your hips come forward. I was having the thing where my hips come up first, then I come up. And this is this has cleared it up, and it's made my lower back feel great. Now, I'm not using very much weight relative to me, but this amount of weight with the added pause creates a different and, and much more um, exaggerated form of tension that that amount of weight could never do because of the pause. So incorporate these things not only to then give your body a break, but also to clear up form and then make yourself stronger when you are going back to that foundational form of progression being the weight and the reps, okay? So the, the best forms of alternative uh, progression being pauses, exaggerated negatives, and then also... I'm flirting with and, and have seen a lot of success, especially for you older trainers out there, for you older folks out there. And I don't mean old, I mean older, where you've, start, you've, you've spent enough time in either a sport that you love um, that, is, that is hard on the body, you know, football, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, boxing, you know, or you've spent enough time in the weight room like me. Uh, you know, at 44, I've spent 20-something years of lifting weight. Uh, their pain comes up. And this form is the exaggerated range of motion, okay? Um, things like the guillotine press, which I'm going to demonstrate here, um, for the bench press. Things like the heel elevated uh, astagrass squat or the knees over toes guy split squat um, that I'm showing here. These are exaggerations of the range of motion that you're using normally, okay? The behind-the-neck press um, with a re almost going down, I, I bring it down almost as low as when I low bar squat. It's an over-exaggeration of the normal range of motion. For instance, the overhead press, right? If I'm overhead pressing and I bring it down to chin level, now with this, I'm bringing, now I'm bringing it down uh, all the way down to on my mid-back. Um, it, it is Dangerous? Yes. But it also creates an environment where I'm avoiding injury because I'm also doing these exercises with incredibly limited amounts of weight. It's a different form of progression. The farther and farther and farther I can move the, the weight through an exaggeration of the range of motion, the stronger I will be in that normal range of motion and much, much, much more bulletproof injury-wise. So if you're having low back problems, uh, especially when you're deadlifting, the Jefferson curl is an exaggerated range of motion that's going to, with very limited weight, add to your ability to then go back to the normal range of motion and kill it. it makes you unkillable. Um, the guillotine press, for instance, where in a normal bench press, the range of motion is going to be to where, you know, maybe slightly below the torso level, a little bit below 90 degrees because the bar can only go so far down before it hits your chest. When you do the guillotine press and you bring it up to your clavicle, you go re and keeping your elbows behind it, you can feel your front delts and your chest just kind of pulling apart. And it gets really kind of weird and uncomfortable at first. But as I get more competent in that range of motion, that exaggerated range of motion, and my shoulders and the connective tissue in my shoulders and in my sternum, you know, where the chest muscles connect, the pectoral muscles connect on the inside, as that becomes more comfortable in those exaggerated ranges, when I go back to benching, the bar flies off my chest, even with higher weights. So I encourage you to really work with these things and, and really apply them into your own training. 
do they need to be replacing your normal forms of exercise execution and progression? Absolutely not. But they should be used as a very useful adjunct to them to help you continually progress without necessarily adding weight to the bar every single time you go into the gym. I will really hammer in the details of how you can add and, and program these things to your already existing programming on my Patreon as an addendum to this episode. Um, so go and check that out if you're not a, a patron already. Give it a shot. Let me uh, just give you the bullet points of what we talked about today because it's a lot. But I think it's all kind of important and I think it's very useful. Um, always lift heavy, but lifting heavy is going to be very limited to what you find heavy and it is only applicable to you, your experience, your abilities, and your biomechanics. What half Thor you know, the mountain from Game of Thrones, what Eddie Hall finds heavy, I'll never dream of lifting. What I find heavy is literally a warm-up for Eddie Hall. Um, Here's, here's, this is a, this is a totally true story. This is the craziest shit ever. It's not the craziest shit ever. I can tell you some stories that are the craziest shit ever. But this was crazy, and it's funny, and you get to laugh at me, but on top of that, it really opens your eyes, okay, to what this means. Big weight. Go big weight. But big weight is relative. It's relative to your abilities, to your biomechanics, and your training experience, okay? I am training at Gold's Gym in Pasadena, where I learned to lift weights, where I learned to love Lifting weights. R.I.P. Gold's Gym in Pasadena. (sighs) Ronnie Coleman is coming into Pasadena to guest pose at one of, I believe it was one of Lonnie Tabor's bodybuilding shows. All right, so Ronnie's in town. And of course, I know all the guys that work at Gold's Gym especially back in those days, because I was there all the time. And, I, and I'm a, a, a shit talker. I'm a massive ball buster. So I, I just was constantly busting, you know, and I, I kind of think of people, I, I had a lot of good relationships, you know. So they're like, dude, Ron, fucking Ronnie Coleman's uh, staying at the Pasadena Hilton. I, I, Ruben went to pick him up. And I was like, no, fuck, no way. And they're like, yeah, dude, I think he's training on Saturday. I'm like, well, sure enough, I'll fucking be here, right? So Ronnie Coleman's there, lifting. This is like, so this isn't like, peak, this isn't 99, 2000 peak Ronnie, but this was 2004-ish, you know? Like he was, he, you were just, it's unbelievable. It looked like a comic book. His waist is so tight, his thighs, and he's wearing nothing, spandex head to toe. He, it just, you couldn't believe there was that much muscle on one body. It was amazing. And he's in there, and he has like a weight caddy. He has a dude who didn't train. He just followed Ronnie around and was moving weight, plates. Like when Ronnie trained, and then he'd add more plates and take them off. And when Ronnie was done, he would like clean it up. And he was training back and biceps. And I was training, like, push muscles. I don't know if I was training, but I know I was training shoulders, okay, because it's part of the story. So there was, you know, the benches in front of the dumbbells, right? The, the, the adjustable ones and, you know, that, that weren't connected to, like, a benching apparatus. They, they were just the, the adjustable open benches that were lined up right in front of the rack of dumbbells. And I was using one that was on a full incline because I was doing overhead shoulder press, but I wasn't, I had it all the way up like to a really steep incline on a regular like adjustable bench. And I got up to my heavy sets, right? And I look and Ronnie's standing behind me. I see in the mirror, right? 
And I was like, oh, do you, do you want, he's like, oh man, no, no. He was real cool. He's like, no, just finish your set, man. I'm good. I'm, he's like, I could use a rest, you know? And he's wiping his head with a big towel. He's fucking covered in sweat. And I was like, all right, oh, thanks. You know? So now I'm like kind of conscious, but I'm, you know, I'm still trying to get my work out of it. So I got up to like, you know, uh, 80 pounds, 85 pounds, you know, like big, good weight for overhead pressing, dumbbell overhead pressing, but nothing, you know, great. But, you know, boom, boom, can I bring it up? So I probably do like six, eight reps, right? And uh, I, I drop them and I go, I'm done. Um, he goes, all right, thanks, man. And he goes to see. And I go to pick them up to put them back. He's, he goes, just leave them. Just leave them, right? His, like, assistant said it. I'm like, oh, all right, dude. So I'm thinking Ronnie's going to do some incline dumbbell press or maybe even overhead shoulder press. And this is his, like, warm-up. And the fucking guy puts the decline or the incline down a little bit, sits down and starts curling them, seated curls with what I just maxed out with for overhead shoulder pressing. And I was like, oh, fuck. So, that just goes to show you Heavy is not a linear idea. It, it changes from person to person. Yeah, buddy! Lightweight, baby! So awesome. All right. Hey, in this crazy mix of world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember one thing. I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcast. Yes.